Attention, independent pet pros. Let me introduce you to the Pet Shop Girls, presented by Pet Product News. Hey everybody, this is Sherry. And Carly from the Pet Shop Girls. All right, today we are going to talk about something that I actually like doing. We're going to talk about prices. This is perfect pricing for profits. And how, how do you say that, Carly? You got to roll your R's. So you've got to say perfect pricing for profits. Sherry can't roll her R's. All right. So if anybody out there is a language coach, get a hold of Sherry and teach her how to roll her R's. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't do it. You know, even if a gun was to my head, I can't do it. <laughs> but anyway, we wanted to talk about pricing here in January because January is usually the best time to raise prices, especially on services. But we wanted to cover a few pricing tactics and techniques and hopefully help you uh, with some strategies uh, along that front. Well, then, what did you I, want to start out with? I'm just thinking, you know... Back in the day, and I don't have a whole lot of days to go back on, but back in the day before COVID, that's when price increases typically came out from the manufacturers was in January. And so we got our pricing increases from the manufacturers and then we turned around and we increased our prices because of course you still need to maintain your profit margins. But when COVID happened, we weren't getting a price increase in January. We were getting like 8 to 10 to 12 price increases a month. So your customer is going to be a little bit sensitive to this. And, and right now in the current economy that we are all facing, everything is going up. So we're not, we're not saying raise your prices because everybody else is. But in order for you to be profitable, in order for you to make money, I don't want anybody to feel bad that they are charging an appropriate price for the products or services that they are selling because you have a cost associated with getting that product or service into your business to then turn around and sell it to your customer. But you also need to be you know, conscious of the prices that you have out there. So there is some psychology around pricing when you are in a retail environment or with services. And I think those are some of the things that we kind of wanted to go over. We both implement, I think all, I think we implement all of the things that we're going to talk about. I know that I do, yeah. and I'm yeah. pretty sure you do too, Sherry. So are you, you want to kick it off? Sure. So, man, there's so many things. Okay. So the psychology of pricing is basically, it's an easy to implement strategy that's going to boost your bottom line. And there's several parts to this. So one of them is charm pricing. And that is where everything ends in a number nine because of the left digit bias phenomenon in the human brain. So if something was $599, the human brain subconsciously rounds it to 500. So this tactic works on most items that, that pet stores would carry. What it doesn't apply to is luxury goods. Even numbers look better for luxury items. Just a note on that. The next thing that I know you're probably better at than I am, Carly, is the three option deal. Yeah. So there, there is some research that suggests that if you have three products that are very similar, but you might have three options in that product, and this would work really well for services, for example. And, I, and I'm going to say where, where I use this 
um, in my business is more with regards to the Pet Expo that I host every March. So I have three booth options. There's three different booths that you can purchase to be part of the Pet Expo. This particular model for pricing suggests that price A is your lowest, price B is in the middle, and price C is your highest price. Most people, they don't want to buy the cheapest one, right? They don't want to pay the lowest price one because they're like, well, that's, you know, I have to question the quality maybe if it's too cheap, but I don't want to spend the most money. So they don't want to pay price C necessarily. So they typically tend to land on B, the price in the middle. And so that price in the middle should actually be priced a little bit closer to your price C. So for example, if price A, I'm just going to use easy numbers here. If price A is $10 and price C is $100, then price B should be 70, right? So it's not right in the middle. It's not that, you know, 50 or 40, you know, there's not an even amount of dollars on either side between A, B, and C. Your price B should be closer to your price C. So I would say that the, the place that I use that the most, like I said, is in the events that I host when I have a variety of different booth options. And I always price B closer to my price C. And then that is typically the booth that most people buy. I think that's called price anchoring, but yeah, that's a really good technique. There's also something called decoy pricing. And I know we were talking about services and having the most expensive close to that that other price. So what I do with my daycare prices, let's say my full day daycare is $25. My half day daycare is 20. I'm not gonna make it half of the 25, you know? Because most people are going to buy that full day because it's the better deal, right? I would say too, like when we're talking about prices, you you want to have your prices, the, the value or the perceived value of your price doesn't always have to necessarily be dictated by the cost. So what I mean by that is if I bring something into my store and let's say that I got a heck of a good deal, and it was $4. So my normal retail on that would maybe be $9.99. But this thing is amazing. Whatever it might be, it's amazing. And so I want to get the perceived value the, or, or the perception of other people of what the value of this item might be. So I will ask my staff, like, what would you pay for this? And when they're like, I'd pay 20 bucks for that. Or I ask some of my my friends or family, like, what, what do you think this is worth? Well, it's probably worth like 20 or 25 bucks. Or I'd ask some of my really good customers, what would you pay for this? I'd easily pay 25 bucks for that. Then I know that pricing it at $9.99, it, it's a steal of a deal, right? So when I price it at $19.99, people still look at that as a value, uh, or the, the perceived value is that that thing is worth $20. So I don't want pet pros to be thinking, I, I have to stick to a pricing formula and I cannot sway from that. You don't. There is some perception in there. That also allows you then to give discounts where maybe you wouldn't have before. So you've got a friends and family discount. In in our store, we have a friends and family. We have a pet industry professional discount that we give if you are in the pet industry, we, we give those discounts to pet professionals. We have an apartment complex across the street, quite a few apartment complexes right across the street. 
that are all pet friendly and we've partnered up with that apartment complex complex so we give all of the residents in that apartment a different discount or somebody comes in and says oh my god you know i went to high school with your mom i can say well you know what i'll give you our friends and family discount and she feels like she got something special but if i'm priced appropriately i can do those discounts without losing my shirt yeah and that's one thing i didn't realize when i first started out i was trying to be very cost conscious and be cheaper than my competitor, which was the wrong way to think. I wanted to add to your promotional discounts there that we do one called Hey Neighbor. And I printed up a, a bunch of flyers and took it to the businesses in my complex for their break rooms. So staff members could get a discount at my store. I think though too, Sherry, when you were saying like when you first started out that you were trying to price yourself to be the lowest price in town, for some stores that works. Though those are like stack them and and rack them, right, or whatever it's called. Like stack them high and let them fly. That's what they call that. Yes, method. yeah, stack them high and let them fly. So our model, my model, is not stack them high and let them fly. My model is my prices are set appropriately for the value that we also provide to our customers. So those stores in my city that stack them high and let them fly, you're not getting a personalized service in that store. You, you don't have that expert that you can walk in and ask your questions to. So keep in mind that even if you are a product seller, the service that is associated with the product that you're selling is also valuable. They, people are willing to pay more when you fix their problems. A problem that they're having with their pet weighs on their mind, causes them sleepless nights. They worry about it at work. You've just provided a solution to their problem. They will pay you the money for that. It's worth it. And, and it makes you different as well. So if you are a stack them high and let them fly kind of store and that works for you, then awesome. But if you're providing that personal service, that that hands-on approach, that consultative selling to your customer, the, there's there's value associated with that and, and your prices should be reflective of that. Definitely. And I wanted to get into actual margins of what I price things at because I'm sure everybody wants to know where everybody else is at. And I want to do a side note on that. The demographics of your area are going to affect how high you price something. So I wanted to share some margin formulas that you could use in your business. For example, like treats and toys, that's that's our bread and butter, butter, right? That's where we get our highest margins. I try to price everything at around 60% margin in those categories. So you got your cost, I divide it by 0.4, then you get your 60% margin. Now, if it's over $10, then you can round up to two, four, seven, or nine. Two, four, seven, or nine being the last digit in your dollar amount. Right. And every price ending in 99. So if you take your, if you take your, you know, seven divided by four and that puts you at whatever, I, I'm just I'm totally wrapped, you know, I'm not doing the math here, you guys. But if that gave you 1322, what is the number? Sherry just grabbed a calculator. Seven divided by four. Uh, that gives you, okay. Well, by 0. 0.4 is 1750. Mm, okay. So then that would become 1799. Because the 1750, that seven is your second digit in the dollar amount. So two, four, 
seven or nine, and then 99 for your prices. So let's let's say you did your margin, you divided by 0.4 and it landed on 23.50. You're going to round that up to 24.99. And what we do too, like let's say that it came out at 25.01 when we divide by 0.4, and the, and the number is 2501, then I would go to 2499 because I'm two cents away from the 2499. Unless the perceived value of the item, you think you could get, you could get more and you could go up to 27 or 2999. I, it also, I think this kind of leads into like, so when you've set your prices and you are, you're building that I'm going to say cushion in to allow you to have sales and promotions for your customers. There is also some pricing psychology to say that they, that the customer will actually um, respond more positively or more favorably to dollars off than, than percentages off. They understand dollars more than percentages. So what I mean by that is if I said I was, you know, something in my store is $89.99 and you save 20%, most people don't realize that that's $18. Like they, they don't do the math that quick to go, oh, like 20% of $89.99 is $18. And then they have to go now $89.99 minus $18. Like they don't do that math. But if I said this is normally priced at $89.99 and I'm giving you $10 off, they already go, well, then it's $79.99, you know, um, and they un they can see a $10 bill. So they can relate better to dollars than they can to percentage discounts. So if you are doing, when, not if, because you're always going to do different sales and promotions. So when you're doing different sales and promotions, for as much as you can, try to do dollar off versus percentage off discounts. Um, because your customer will resonate with that more. And even if that psychology that says the exact same dress for $100, okay, it's online, it's a $100 dress, 20% off, that means they're saving $20 and they would only pay 80. That exact same dress, this is done. this was done in some test group, you guys, that exact same dress when they said you could get it for $10 off, the people, the majority of the people pick the $10 off because they could visualize $10 easier than they could 20%. I completely agree. And I hope that some of our vendors out there are listening because they always ask me, you know, okay, you want to do a sale? Do you want to do, how about we do 15% off? And and I'm like, no, can we do dollars off? Uh, not only is it easier for me to calculate at the end of the month, but um, it just, it, it does better as a sale. Yeah, it so. resonates. It, you know, I mean, okay, so we, we did a sale last year um, on one of our cat foods it, it, and it was the manufacturer's sale and it was a, it was a buy one, get one. And people understand that too, even if it is, you know, that's math and percentage, but they get it. Bogos, they get. Our cat food sales with, with that can of food, 10 times, 10 times by doing a buy one, get one. We, we were selling 10 and 20 cans at a time. And we always, we always have in my store, buy 12, get your 13th free on all of our cat food. And that's not something that our manufacturers do. We just do that in store. If you buy 12, you get your 13th free. 
very rarely do we have people coming in and buying 12 cans or boxes of of cat food or, or tetras but they did a buy one get one and yeah we 10 times our numbers on that cat food well, it was crazy if you can if you can get a vendor to agree to a bogo i mean take it bogos are the best yes yeah, bogos are the bomb <laughs> yes and if you can't do that then try a buy two get one and since we're on this topic, I love a twofer or a threefer. And so I have several products in my store, like especially if, a, if like a treat or like a candle or something lands at $3.99. I love to do three for 10. And that's just an ongoing promotion in my store. People see three for 10, they grab three. So I'm always looking at like, okay, is this something that somebody would buy multiples of? And if they would, then can I turn that into a twofer or a threefer? You know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Sherry, because a lot of times when I'm coaching different pet pros one-on-one -on -one, and that's what they're saying, like, oh my God, how do you stop people from coming in and buying things for like $4.99? Like, and, and they want to pay with a credit card, right? Because there's fees associated with that. And, and the question, they're always asking, how do I get them to pay with cash? And I said, well, you don't. You, you let them pay the way they want to pay, but you incentivize them to buy more than one $4.99 item. So if it's $4.99, do five for 20, right? So then technically like they would have, they if they would have bought those five individually, they would have paid 25 bucks, but now they're getting five of them for 20. And it, it, starts to eliminate that problem of people coming in and paying for small little dinky items with their credit cards. Uh, 100%. And I, and I wanted to, to add on to that. In a, in a past episode, I talked about these like holiday biscuit bags that, that I make where I get a, a bulk box of biscuits, like a 10 pound, 10 pound bulk box, and I put it into little cellophane bags. And you can do this all year round. So you could have, you know, like Easter bags, you know, along with Christmas and fall, we do fall ones too. But I did the math one time and each little bag of biscuits came out to 42 cents. We do them at $3.99 and I do the three for 10 thing. Now there's some more expensive biscuits that I used the other day. So I had to price them at $4.99. So I did three for 12, you know, but yeah, it works. People, instead of buying one, they 90% of the time they buy three. And, you know, when we're talking about like the way that customers look at prices, one thing that, that we have always done in my store since day one, and this kind of goes back to the perceived value of pricing, is where your price tags should be located. And when it is something that you are sticking like a, a cha-chunk, cha-chunk, cha-chunk price tag sticker, when you're, when it's one of those things, we have some things like jackets and what have you that they have tags hanging off and, and or we have our little punch tag thing that we can hang our house of paws tags on. But when you are putting a price tag sticker, you put it on the back at the top left hand corner. This allows people to see the item in your store without any pricing noise. They look at it and they will assign value to it immediately. So I do this all of the time when I'm shopping at like winners in Canada, it's TJ Maxx in the States, but it's the same kind of thing. Right. And, and I see something and I'm like, oh my goodness, that is adorable. I would pay $40 for that. 
I already assigned a value to it. And now I pick it up and I start scouring it for the price tag and it says it's only $19.99. Like I'm, I'm buying three now because it's so cheap and I would have paid 40 bucks. So your customers will do the same thing. If you get this cool new toy or if you get a really funky treat or whatever, like the, the products that they aren't normally buying all of the time, when they walk in your store and they see it, they're automatically going to assign a value to it. And when they flip that bag over or the box or whatever it is, and then they look for the price tag, it's going to be on the back at the top left-hand corner. And if that price is lower than what they already assigned a value to, they're going to buy it every single time. If it's higher, they might go, but I love it. Okay. It's only, uh, it's only $5 more than I thought. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm still buying it. You know, if it's double what they thought it was worth, then they're probably going, forget it. Are you guys crazy? Like, I'm not paying this ever. But some people still might. Um, but that, and this is not, these are not conscious thoughts that your customer has when they walk through the the doors of your store, right? They're not walking in going, I'm going to assess every single thing in here. And I'm only buying the things that I think are worth the money. They're not doing that. But subconsciously, this is what's happening when they're out shopping. I do it all the time until until you summed it up the, for me the other day. I didn't realize I do that too. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to circle back to margins real quick. I, I didn't do it for the first 10 years of my business and maybe I should have, but that's stepped pricing for food. So your small bags are going to be at a higher margin than your large bags. Do you do that type of thing, Carly? Well, we do it. A, we I, apparently we do it a little bit differently than most. We price by size, so I do not price by protein in my store because, of course, we want to encourage the rotation of proteins. We want people feeding a diverse diet. Um, so we do not price by protein. We price by size because most places price by protein. So what it costs them, and then they figure out their calculations, and then everybody feeds chicken. Uh, because that's the cheapest protein out there, right? Unless their dog has some sort of a sensitivity. But in my store, our customers, like we've trained them well. They come in and they're like, I don't remember what I bought last time. Can you take a look at the, my last three bags so that I can pick a new protein? Yup, you got chicken, duck, and turkey last time. You know, last three times they're like, okay, I'll take lamb. So they know, and and we've removed that barrier for them of picking by protein because the different proteins cost. So it's literally the bags, the size of the bag is what we price by. So we kind of look at like, okay, what would our price be if we were pricing the chicken versus the venison, for example, and then we pick a price in the middle. So we make a little bit more on our chicken, but we lose a little bit on the venison. And I don't mean lose, but I mean, we don't make as much as we would if we were pricing it based on its cost, but we price by bag. So that is the, that is so, so unique. I have never heard that pricing strategy before, but I really like it. I'm more traditional. My foods are between 30 and 40% margin with the small bags being higher than, than the big bags. But I, I also wanted to say this too, because food has the lowest margins of probably anything you carry. I know that some stores are reluctant to bring it in or like some grooming salons that have a little retail are scared to bring in food. And I just want to encourage you, it it's how you get people in the door more often because on average, they're going to buy a bag of food once a month. And as long as you educate them on nutrition and why that brand that you carry is the best in your opinion, then 
you're going to get people in the door more often and they're going to come to you for more and more supplies because they're going to trust you. And, and, you know, honestly, like, I know that you say us pricing by size is unique. It, I think it stems from our mission uh, because everything that we do in our store comes from the mission and our mission is to extend the lives of pets through nutrition. So everything like that's literally written on our things all over the place. Um, but everything that we do stems from that mission to extend the lives of animals and feeding them chicken, 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 chicken all the time. We're, we know that we're not contributing to, to extending their lives. So my pricing theory honestly came from my mission is that I want people to feed those diverse diets. But I will say too, like, our food, I mean, our margins aren't that much different, you know, 30 to 40%. We're the same as everybody else. It's just on some, we make a little bit more because of, of our pricing strategy and some we just don't make as much as we normally would. But I do get people rotating on a regular basis. So, and that's our, that's our, that's our whole purpose for doing it that way. Definitely. Okay. I just wanted to talk about grooming prices really quick because I know there's grooming salons that are out there listening. So I usually, if I'm going to raise any prices, I always do it in January. It's the most logical month to do it. It's a new year. The way we go about doing it is we call around to other salons uh, or grooming businesses, even Petco and PetSmart that are close to us and make a spreadsheet of what everybody's charging for certain breeds. And we usually make up, when we call, we'll make up that we own a certain, like we have a Shih Tzu or uh, a Husky and, you know, we got big dogs with de-shedding problems and, you know, you got your small dogs. You want a variety of breeds to ask the prices on. And then we don't want to be the cheapest in the area, but we certainly don't want to, you know, blow ourselves out of the water with our pricing. And that's why we do that comparison check. We are about to institute something because we, we wanted to do bundles Bundles are, are another great strategy, which would be for a whole other podcast, but we had a better idea. Well, what we think is a better idea, we'll see how it turns out. We're going to do a pick two, pick three menu. So people will have their base price for their bath or their haircut, but then you always try to add on, right? You want to add on a nail grind or like that. Actually, a nail grind would be an upgrade because a nail clip is included or you want to add on teeth brushing or you want to add on a blueberry facial. Now, instead of going through all the add-ons and trying to add on each one of those to the client, I made a giant poster of all of our add-ons and I made them all the same price to make this easier. They can buy one if they want, but if they buy two, it's going to be cheaper per item. If they buy three, it's even cheaper. So we've got one for 10, two for 17, or three for 25. The whole goal is to get the price higher. It makes more money for the groomers, makes more money for the store and the customer is getting a good deal. I think too, just kind of adding on to your add-on discussion with regards to not even like, yes, your competitors, but think outside the box with regards to who your competitor is. And this, I kind of realized this again, one of my customers came to me, we sell one of our products, it's a, it's a, an intolerance testing kit. And 
We may be the only ones in Canada right now selling this, but my customer found it on Amazon for almost double what I was selling it for. And I was like, holy cow. When he told me that, I'm like, are you telling me I need to raise my prices? And he's like, well, not until I buy mine. But um, keep an eye on that. Like if Amazon is selling the products that you sell, take a look at what they're selling it for because a lot of times... Those are third-party sellers. It happened with, uh, we have a treat in our store that we sell that is extremely popular. Like people literally come in and buy this treat by the case. And it's $12.99 a package, like for these treats. And, and I have people buying 12 bags at a time because they love these, their dogs love these treats so much. But they were also on Amazon. They were the old packaging, which tells me that they're very close to expiring because this company rebranded almost a year ago. And they were $33 a package. And I'm selling them for $12.99 in my store. And I'm expensive in my city. Like other stores sell them for $9.99 or $7.99. And I'm selling them for $12.99. But on Amazon, they were $33. So so think outside the box when it comes. It's not just the guy down the street from you. It is also all the other online businesses or what have you that are selling the same products you are. Keep an eye on those prices because you might be pleasantly surprised that your prices are very comparable, especially when your customers come in saying, oh, why don't I just buy this online? Right. Speaking of, of people buying stuff in case quantities, I do offer, I offer a case quantity discount. Do you do that too? Um, we have, but we do that on the fly because we don't really sell anything in cases. Right. So like when these, when we, the, the, it's not every customer, but the, the few customers that do come in and say like, we want to buy 12 bags, which is a case, then we usually throw in a 13th for free, but we, 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 uh, we don't sell anything else in cases. Uh, we have some variety packs for cat, for canned cat foods, but yeah, we don't yeah. sell anything in cases. My, my case discount for like, if they get a case of cans and I do let them mix and match on the, the case of cans and I do 5% off and we keep those trays up front, like the empty trays and people will come in and they'll be like, Hey, can I have an empty tray? We give that to them and then they mix a match and then they get their, their case discount. So, okay. Oh, that's all you, what? That's all you. Oh, she's got more. <laughs> I was that, was that all you had? Cause I no. have one more reminder to give everybody. And that is do a price review at least weekly. So I, depending on how often you get your shipments and everything, look, because ever since COVID, prices have fluctuated greatly with each supplier, each manufacturer, each vendor. So um, I now do a price review weekly. Now my POS system allows me to do this easily. I just press a button that says, okay, let's do a price review. And I give it a date range and it shows me all the prices that have changed. Now those prices that are changed it knows about that because we put in the invoice. We did a, a purchase order and, and did all that. So you need a good POS system to do this efficiently, but I raise prices weekly depending on uh, how much it costs when it came in and if that price changed. So, Yeah, we. I guess, you know what, ours would be more of a manual input in my store, but we order weekly. And so part of our shipment receiving process, if you will, is that there's two things that we do. And one of them has to do with prices. The first thing is an expiry date check. 
So as we pull everything off the pallet, we are looking because I've told my distributors, like, don't you be sending me your short dated stuff for full price. I get at least six months in my store with your product or I send it back to you. So that's part of our process. But the second part of that process is that when we are then going and entering our new stock, we review our prices to make sure that the price has not changed because they're sending so many price increase emails that I don't blame my team or myself that we, if we miss the odd one, um, because I, I don't know that they always go out either. Um, but yeah, that that's important because all of a sudden your POS is going to be telling you that you're making these great profits, but you've got outdated pricing. And that means the money in your bank account won't match the profits that your POS says you're making. So it is important to ensure that you have the correct cost listed in your POS for the retail price that you're asking. 100%. Okay. Well, Heard it I, first. nobody else yeah. is going to tell you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know we threw a lot at you there and we just skimmed the surface on, on this topic, but we hope that you can implement some of these ideas and have a profitable new year. Yes. Enjoy the beginning of 2024. You guys let us crush 2024 as independent pen pros. All right. See y'all next time. That's it for this episode, Pet Pro. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Just hit all the buttons. So you never miss the podcast that makes you sit, stay, and beg for more. The The Pet Pet Shop Shop Girls. Girls. I need to remove my whining chihuahua from the outside of the door. We like to party. We like We like to party. And we're going to party. When you join us at Connect, Canada's pet trade show for a paso time. Get ready to unleash the excitement during the Connect pet trade show with our Hello Canada podcast launch party. Join us at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, May 15th for an unforgettable celebration filled with laughter, insights, and surprises. Meet us the pet shop girls and fellow pet pros and let's make some memories together don't miss our special live podcast recording at 2 p.m on thursday may 16th tune in as we broadcast directly into our private facebook group the indie insider bringing you exclusive content industry insights and a sneak peek at the show get ready to be inspired and empowered to take your business to new heights Mark your calendars, pet pros, and come connect with us at the biggest pet trade show in Canada. See you there. We like to party. We like, we like to party. We like to party. We like to party. We like, we like to party. We like to party.